Good morning. Good morning. My name is Pastor Darrell. I get the honor and privilege of opening God's word with us this morning. We welcome you who are online or in the chapel or the family venue or right here in the worship center. Thank you for being here today. If you take your Bibles, please, and let's open up to 3 John. 3 John. We're closing up our series this week on our epistles to, from John to the church. And it has been a great adventure that we've been on through it. It's, I've been blessed and edified by it. I hope you have as well. I had the opportunity and privilege to turn 50 years old in June. And as I get older, I'm, I'm starting to, as my birthdays, I'm starting to say I have the honor and the privilege to turn a certain age because you know what the alternative is. I'll let you think about that. If you don't get to turn the next age, but many times we glamorize the past, don't we? As I get older, I think of like, yeah, it was so much better when I was a kid. You know, we, we didn't have phones and we were out, you know, playing. The parents didn't know where we were. And we were, you know, the, when the street lights came on, we went home and it was great. We weren't inside playing video games and stuck and doing all these things. And we tend to glamorize the past. Kids, you've probably heard your parents or grandparents glamorizing the past. Well, when I was a kid, they would say certain things like that. I walked to school two miles uphill both ways, and neat. I did. No. <laughs> but no matter if you're 21 or 91, we, we tend to, to glamorize the past, to think about it. I, there are times in history where I wouldn't want to live the Great Depression, the French Revolution, but even when the times are good, there's still sinful people that are living there, and there's hardships and things that are going on. And when I many times think about the early church, I, I glamorize that in my own mind. There was a lot of excitement. Think of what it must have been like. The excitement of something new, the apostles doing miraculous, those who have seen Jesus actually as his physical body that was resurrected. The New Testament was being written at that time. Could you imagine sitting in a church and you are the first people to hear the book of Romans being read to you? What an awesome thing. And we may think they didn't have all the same problems that we do today. And we tend to think sometimes that the grass is greener on the other side. But we should know that isn't true. Uh, a friend of mine, a friend and mentor, uh, who was a, a president of a, a mission agency that planted churches in America, um, when I was looking for a ministry, he said, well, why don't you come plant churches with us? Instead of going to a place that has generations of problems, you can start new problems of your own. And as we come to our passage today, we can see the early church had some issues. Do you believe there was a man who was prideful, unhospitable, power hungry, and a gossip in the church? And as much as things have changed, people, we are the same. And in First and Second John, we've seen in the early church, there were, there were struggles going on. There was false teachings, false teachers going around. And John's, through John's letters, we were able to see that. Today we come to the last letter written by the last living disciple of Jesus Christ. And we get to take a peek into the first century church and what it looked like to practically live out their faith. So let's read the book of 3 John. Starting in verse 1. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth 
as indeed you are walking in that, in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testify to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, for they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends each by name. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you on this morning. And Lord, we thank you that we can gather here this morning in your name as those saved by grace through faith through the work of Jesus Christ. We sing worship and honor and praise to you and pray. And we know that you, the King of the universe, hears our praise and our worship. And this morning, Lord, as we open up your word, teach us, Lord, change us, that we would be more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the main point, we're just going to take it from verse 11, right? Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. And we're going to first look at Gaius, a picture of walking in the truth. We see this letter, John starts out, the elder, who was one of the youngest apostles when we see in the Gospels, but now is calling himself the elder. And he is closing these epistles out with the message he had for Gaius and as he was guided by the Holy Spirit. And once again, last week, if you were here, Pastor Kevin did a great job, and he was talking about this word truth. And this word truth is found four times once again in the first eight verses. So we see that he's walking in the truth. There's no greater joy than, the, than he says to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And he, he, he talks through this. And, and I want to just address this again. What, what does this mean? Throughout First and Second John, we see this word truth over and over. And see, I would say it's this. We're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And then we also see because we have this great, gracious salvation Our lives are being transformed. This is a cause and effect situation here. Jesus Christ is the cause of our salvation. And we see the effects of this on our lives as we live out our lives in love and truth. And as we come here, I just want to take us through a little journey through 1 and 2 John to see some of these verses that we, we, we read through as we went on these messages over the past few weeks. 
1 John 1, 7 says this, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. 1 John 3, 17 and 18 says, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. In 1 John 4, 11 through 12, it says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. And last week we looked in 2 John 6, where it says this, And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. So we see a person who is walking in the truth is a person who has been saved by grace through faith through the work of Jesus and now their life aligns with the example of Jesus's life or is growing in that. The life is beginning to align with the teachings of Jesus Christ. The life, their life is starting, our lives are starting to love God more and to love our neighbor more. And we want to proclaim that the salvation is found only in Jesus Christ. And we see that Gaius is walking in this. We see, let's go to verse four and then we'll read through verse eight again where it says this. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, it is a faithful saying you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, for they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. So I want to set up some of the context here so we can understand exactly what is going on. Remember, we're in the first century church, first century Roman Empire. The early church is, is new. It's in its infant stages. It's meeting in homes. Books were expensive, and the New Testament, parts of it were around, but it, it wasn't even quite finished yet. And the church, they, there weren't many teachers. They, so teachers would get trained, and they would travel around to different cities and different towns, and they didn't have money. And these teachers, they, would, they were strangers to the people, and they would travel with a letter from someone like the Apostle John who would be recommending them to stay in their house. And then the, what was going to happen is that the people that were a part of the church would take these traveling teachers into their home, feed them, take care of them, give them a place to sleep so that they, therefore, they could teach the people what God has to say to them. And when someone would send this letter of recommendation, it was really a dishonor if you turned those people away. And these letters, a lot, one of the reasons they were going out and so important, remember last week, there were false teachers that were going around, the, the anti, part of the spirit of Antichrist, that they were teaching that Jesus did not come in the flesh and, and did not take them into your home. But if they came with a letter from the Apostle John, they should, these people should take them into their home and take care of them. And so we have Gaius here who is, is doing this. I love in verse four, it says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Parents, we can, we can relate to this, can't we? 
I mean, if you send your kids away to camp or school and, or they go to a babysitter for a night, it is really nice to hear people say, boy, your kids are really good. They were so, they were so well behaved. That, that brings joy to you. The opposite of that is like, you, do you know what little Johnny did? He did this, that, and it's like, oh, man. But when we're walking, and, but as Christians too, when we're walking in the truth and living in love and truth, it brings great joy to those who are leading. And Gaius had people who were testifying that he was walking into the truth. What was, what was he, John, saying that he did, the big marker of him walking in truth? By showing hospitality to these traveling teachers. He showed love to them. He says, you do well by sending them in a manner worthy of God, that he would take care of their needs as they journey to the next town, giving them food and the provisions that they needed. He was listening to John and company, teachers who were strangers. They came with the letter, but it would be, it's awkward to take people you've never met into your home, but he was doing that. And he was supporting the mission of the church by doing this. We don't know much about Gaius, but what he is, is he a, he's a living example of the body of Christ working to ad advance the proclamation of the gospel. We see this in verse eight where it says, therefore we ought to support people like these that we may be fellow, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. Gaius wasn't out there teaching. He, from what we know, he wasn't this learned man but he was, he was able to serve the church and help the proclamation of the gospel go forth being a fellow worker of the truth by taking these men into their homes. And today, there's children here, right, that are back there. There's babies that are having, that are diapers being changed. All of that stuff is going on right now. Those people serving back there right now, they're fellow workers for the truth. The people who led worship this morning, leading us, getting our minds into the right focus on God and his greatness, are fellow workers for the truth. Just say this, it, it, loving and serving doesn't take a seminary education. Take someone who has been saved by grace through faith saying this, here I am, Lord, use me. I'm going to tell you a story about a man named Edward Kimball. Maybe some of you have heard of him. Most of us have not. Edward Kimball was a Sunday school teacher, a boy's Sunday school teacher. If you've ever been one of those, you know it can be a crazy time. You get a bunch of five to seven-year-old boys together, you don't know what's going to happen. Or junior hires, it's, it's, you don't know. And it's hard to get their attention at times. But he intentionally said this, I'm going to proclaim the gospel to each and every one of these boys that God brings to me. And I want to try to see them get saved and serve God. And there was one young man in particular who was aloof and wasn't paying attention. And so he went and he said, hey, I'm going to go meet him on the weekend, on a Saturday. So he found out that the young man worked in a shoe store in the stock room. So he went there and he, he proclaimed the gospel to him. And this young man believed the gospel and received Jesus Christ as his savior on that day. That man's name who received Christ is Dwight Moody, who has proclaimed the gospel on two continents. If you've ever heard of Moody Bible Institute or if you listen to Moody Radio, that Edward Kimball 
God used him to proclaim the gospel to Dwight Moody. And not only that, Moody, and through his ministry, a man by the name of Wilbur Chapman was saved. And, and he had an evangelistic ministry. And, and a guy by the name of Billy Sunday was saved through that. And, and Billy Sunday was an evangelist as well. And, and he went out and was proclaiming the gospel. And there was a guy by the name of Mordecai Ham who was saved through Billy Sunday's ministry. And B Mordecai Ham had an evangelistic ministry. And he went out and he was preaching the gospel all around. And there was another guy who got saved. And we know this guy, Billy Graham, was saved under the ministry of Mordecai Ham. And God used a man who was saying, here I am, Lord, use me to teach young men in Sunday school to do all of that. It wasn't Edward Kimball, it was God, but Edward Kimball was being a fellow worker for the proclamation of the gospel for the truth. We also see another guy who's here, um, Demetrius. And Demetrius, and I'm gonna go down to verse 12. It says this, Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also, had our, we also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. So Demetrius was either one of, the one delivering this letter to Gaius, or possibly one of the traveling teachers. We don't know exactly, but we can know this. He comes highly recommended. He is, life shows that he believes the gospel and is being transformed by the gospel. And he is a man that you can trust that just doesn't talk the talk, but also walks the walk. So we see that it's interesting. The example that John is using to show a life being transformed by Jesus is this. Gaius serving the church by showing hospitality to traveling teachers. Not some huge, great, you know, wise person going out and, and doing all these miracles and all these things. No, a simple inviting people into his home, providing for them, loving them, and sending them on their way with their provisions. <clears throat> now we come to a, the next fella in this story by the man by the name Diotrephes. If you look at verse nine, it says this. I've written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who wants to and puts them out of the church. So John, it says he has written something to the church, most likely addressing this to Diotrephes, but Diotrephes was not following suit. He was not listening to what John had said. He was not taking in the traveling teachers, and, and the apostles had a special authority at this time due to them being sent directly by Jesus in the flesh, and they're the ones who are penning much of the New Testament. Diotrephes was most likely a leader, in the church, as it says, he, he was putting people out of the church. Maybe the church was even in his own home. We don't know. But this is what it says about him. He's, he likes to put himself first. He's prideful. He's self-centered. Our society feeds this type of attitude 
We're taught from a young age to believe in yourself, to get what you deserve. One of the, the hot things to say this week is I need, I need to do some self-care. He was defiant. He does not want to acknowledge the authority of John. He wants control of what is going on. He's a gossip. Says he speaks wicked nonsense, spreading false stories about John. And he's power hungry. If others were following John's recommendations of the teachers, he'd, get, he'd throw them out of the church. When people are acting in evil ways, they hate it when people are doing good. He had to get rid of them. This also shows his pride. And John is telling Gaius, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. You notice what he says that what Gaius is doing is, is good and what John is doing is good and what Diotrephes is doing is evil. Pride, defiance, gossip, power hungry. It's evil. The last couple of verses say this in 13 through 15. says, I had much to write to you, but I'd rather not write the with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends each by name. So what does this have to teach us today? At Peace Church, we have the same, we're, we're gospel-centered, family-focused, and kingdom-minded. This morning, I want to focus on the family-focused. We say we want our families to be like a church and our church to be like family. I want to focus on church like our family. So many times we, we ask this question, what's your home church? Or we say, our church home is Peace Church. As we should be hospitable in our homes, we should be hospitable here as well, our church home. We wouldn't consider having a guest into our home and not greeting them, not trying to make them feel welcome, but just ignoring them and sitting down and eat, heating up our own food and eating it in front of the TV and ignoring them serving our own needs, we would not do that. What about our church home? Ask yourself this question, are you participating in serving those around you in your church home? And as I read this, we think we need to do some self-examination, all of us. Is it, am I more like Gaius or Diotrephes? Am I humbly serving or only thinking of my own needs? Gaius was serving the church humbly, opening his home to help the church. And I'll tell you this, this church, Peace Church, doesn't function without this type of humble service. There's around 90 volunteers every Sunday morning at Peace Church during the program year. From kids ministry to the parking lot to the safety team to the worship team there are many people here hospitality all around and for those who do that thank you thank you for taking time out of your week to be a fellow worker for the truth are you one though that will just attend church a church as long as you feel they are serving your needs and if your needs aren't being met then you're out. Are you willing to follow? You can ask this, am I willing 
my following or willing to follow those God has put in authority. The pastor and elders, those in leadership. We are not apostles. Our authority only goes as far as, the authority, as we follow the authority of the scriptures. But I will say this, Hebrews 13, 17 says this, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no vantage to you. You can ask yourself, am I speaking well of others or spreading and listening to gossip? Gossip will kill a church. And it is easy to be a Monday morning quarterback, and where that comes from is people like me who watched football on the weekends and talk about it on Monday and think that we would have done so much better if we would have been in the game. It's not true. Even if the Lions are really bad, you put me out on the field, they would be worse. Guaranteed. You'd be like, look at that guy. He is slow. <laughs> Moel's the Lions. <laughs> but it's a lot easier if you're not serving to sit back and look at what's going on and point the finger and say how you would do it better. You ask yourself, am I excited and joyful when I see others serving and having success? So I wanna encourage you this morning that if you wanna love your brothers and sisters in Christ here at Peace Church, do so by serving them. There is this issue of time. And talking to people and volunteers like, we're busy. We have all this stuff going on. We're so busy, we don't even know. We don't have time to do that at this, at this part of in our lives. And you know what? Time is an issue. It can be difficult. We have about 6,000 hours per, wake, per, per year awake. So let's say this. If you watch football on the weekends, guys and ladies and and there's 17 NFL weeks, and this is not counting the playoffs, and you spend another hour or so reading on the internet about the news about the week and all that, you're going to spend about 68 hours a year. Well, let's say this. The average person spends three hours a day on their phone. But let's say we're better than that, and we only do one hour a day on our phone. You take that for a whole year, that's 365 hours a year, you spend on your phone. But do this. If you were to serve at Bold Boys, it's 20 weeks, it's two hours a week, that is 40 hours per year. Or how about this one? Serve in the prayer room. You do it once a month, it's about 20 minutes each time. That's four hours out of your whole year. Or we could say in the nursery, you serve for one hour, 12 times a year. That's 12 hours a year. Or hospitality, you serve 30 minutes, 12 times a year. That's six hours out of your year. Or you, you, you lead a community group. Say you, you meet 24 times. You prepare for two hours or so and an hour at community group. That's 72 hours out of your year. But you might say, I have four kids at home. We both work full-time, and our kids are in sports. Yep, you are very busy. Very busy. 
but do you have time to sub for a program or to provide a meal a few times a year for someone who's going through a tough time? Now I realize it's a sacrifice. Before I came to peace, I was out of pastoral ministry for five years and worked 40 plus hours a week and volunteered in a church. It is a sacrifice. And for those who do it, thank you. It is. But there is time. So ask yourself, what is holding you back from serving Peace Church in one way? One way. Also this, if you are not serving the church, you are missing out on some great blessings. Think of all the great stories Gaius was hearing, sitting down with these men who've been traveling to all the different cities and hearing the stories of how God is working in the church and people getting saved. He was able to hear things and to to bless these people, and there was a blessing to him. But I can tell you this, some stories of, of blessing that people are getting serving here at peace. Remember one week, one of my first weeks serving in the prayer room, there was another couple that came in, and all of a sudden, here comes a young man, young woman, high school age. They come to this church, their parents don't go to the church, they felt God leading them to come to church. So they came. He got saved back there in that prayer room that morning. And those two people had the opportunity to lead them, that young man, to the Lord on that morning. It's amazing. Or in men's ministry, in our brotherhood groups, our small groups, there's been some that have, they were able to work together and, and get to know each other more by helping another family finish a deck. In kids' ministry, there was a young man, a, a high schooler, who he started serving, and he started a verse memorization challenge. And most of the kids memorized the verse, and they were excited about it. And the leaders memorized the verse. And of course, they, they got a gift for that, some candy. But they were excited about it. Youth ministry, there's a, a, a man who's pouring into his, his small group. And it was, it was tough at times. But these students then, after a while, they initiated a Bible study on their own. He was able to sit there like John and go, I have no greater joy than to hear that my small group of, of young men are walking in the truth. There are blessings. And you know what? It is a great journey that we are on together. Jesus Christ instituted the church almost 2,000 years ago, and we are here today in Middleville, Michigan, as part of the bride of Christ, the church. And it is a great honor and privilege to serve one another. I just leave with this. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. Lord, thank you for saving us and thank you for working in us. And Lord, I just, I thank you for all the people who step up and take time out of their busy lives to come here and serve joyfully. Or what a blessing it is. Lord, I just pray if there's people here today who aren't serving, Lord, that are filling them, filling your leading, that they need to step up, Lord, that they, they would not leave here today without taking a first step. Lord, may we always see it 
as an honor and a privilege that we get to serve the God, the creator of the universe. May we never take that for granted. And Lord, thank you that you do use us. Because we know you don't need us, but you use us for your glory to serve others. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.